the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into our third hour of our daily three-hour tour. It is a delight to welcome to the show Lisa Booth. She is the host of the podcast The Truth with Lisa Booth and a Fox News contributor. Has a piece in the current, an opinion piece in the current issue of Newsweek, Why I'm Not Vaccinated. And I will tell you between this column and the Fifth Circuit's decision, it's everything you need to know about the problems with the vaccine. Lisa, thanks for joining us today, and welcome to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Hi, Seth. I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate you taking the time to read the piece. It means a lot. Well, you bet. It's good. It, 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 it's more than good. It's it's really important. Uh, let me Let me start here, if I can. Um, the famous epidemiologist uh, Charles Barkley was on about three weeks ago ranting about why basketball players should take the vaccine. And he made the point several times, not for themselves, but for others, not for themselves, but you do it for others. Got about 10 million views. Lisa, um, Dr. Barkley needs to have his license revoked, doesn't he? Well, yeah, and, and that's really the big lie, yep. right? Because that's what they told us. They told us it's your patriotic duty to get vaccinated. If you don't do it for yourself, if you're a low risk, you have to do it for your family. Do it for your neighbors. Do it for the people you love. But that's a lie because the vaccine doesn't stop transmission. And, you know, Joe Biden sat there during a July town hall and he told the American people, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Well, guess what had happened that same week? You had those Texas state legislators who came to Washington, D.C. and turned it into a super spreader event, and they were all fully vaccinated. And then shortly after that point, you had the CDC director saying that unlike with other variants, vaccinated people can or vaccinated people can get infected with Delta and can transmit the virus. And the reason she was saying that is she was looking out of an outbreak out of Massachusetts involving 469 cases, and 75 of those cases were fully vaccinated people. And then beyond that, we've had studies like the one that was published in the Lancet looking at household infection, finding that vaccinated people can spread COVID at the same rate as unvaccinated people. So we were told this big lie. And I really wonder how many people got vaccinated because of that lie. I, I want to follow up on that. How many people question, not numerically, but sociologically in just a second, because this, this is what's been bothering me. What goodwilled people don't really know. I mean, there, there are there are the knaves who are trying to fool us. I get that. The administration is full of them. But there are a lot of people out there that just, you know, they think if they watch CNN. All right, we'll get to it now. They watch CNN. They read their local paper. They may hear Charles Barkley. They may hear someone like Charles Barkley. They walk around thinking things that simply are not true. And one of the worst ones going around, because I do think it has public health consequences, is the notion that if you're vaccinated, as Joe Biden said on CNN, you won't get COVID, you won't go to the hospital, right? A lot of people just actually think that, not knowing that that's absolutely untrue. Well, it's actually untrue. And then even, again, in August, so the CDC director said, that the vaccines continue to work well with severe illness and death, but what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. Right. We've also had 
Uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has admitted this recently as well. Uh, I believe Bill Gates has made similar comments, right? So now the jig is up. It doesn't stop transmission. If you get vaccinated, you can still get and spread COVID. So then it comes down to, because it's not in the interest of public health to get vaccinated, it's a personal benefit. And so then the question comes, does everyone need that personal benefit? And no, not everyone does, because not everyone is high risk. So I'm 36 years old. I have no, no underlying condition. So I have decided for myself that the risk from COVID does not dramatically outweigh the risk from the vaccine. So I am not going to get the vaccine for those reasons. So not everyone is high risk. And so Joe Biden at 78 years old is going to have, be making different decisions than I am at 36. But guess what? The workforce looks more like me and my age group than his. That's exactly right. And I want to come to that in a second. Let me let me stay with with this point about about the vaccine and transmission, because, you know, it's hard to know what this what what to believe or not with the CDC. But, you know, I have done as deep a dive as I think a layman can. And I stumbled upon a CDC website titled When You've Been Fully Vaccinated. I'll quote it to you precisely. Exactly. Quote. Literally, quote, if you are fully vaccinated and become infected with the Delta variant, you can spread the virus to others. Close quote. I think that's all we need to know, except the CDC went one step farther, further. Up until two weeks ago, Lisa, they published actual numbers of breakthrough hospitalizations and deaths. They had a running tally. It was always a week old, but they had that number for you every week updated. That page is gone. They've stopped giving us that information. We don't know what those numbers are. They don't think we should know them or they don't think it's relevant to know them. I think I know what's going on. You probably do, too. And you know what? Even if you go back to what the Pfizer's chairman had said, what Moderna's chief medical officer a year ago, they both said they didn't know if the vaccine was going to stop transmission. Right. Because the whole point of the vaccine was a personal health benefit, not a public health benefit. So this entire time, they've contrived this lie to try to increase the percentage of Americans who are vaccinated. And then now we're also finding out that the vaccine uh, protection you get from the vaccine doesn't last as long as originally promised as well. Because you have all these people who say, oh, well, what about polio? Well, well, I mean, first of all, polio for adults has a fatality rate of like 15 to 30 percent. Right. So it's nowhere even in the stratosphere of COVID, which is significantly less. It also doesn't have a national mandate. It doesn't. There's no national mandate. Polio also confers lifetime immunity, yep, right? So yep. there's a huge and it dramatically affects then, children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. yeah, right. yeah, there's, there's, yeah. There's, so there's a significant difference, or even the the measles vaccine confers lifetime immunity. This one does not, right? We're, we're right. talking about potentially six months. I mean, it's sort of up for debate right now and determining exactly how long it gives you protection. But we're no, we know it's not forever. It wins. So then, what they're asking people who are low risk to do, or people who have natural immunity, by the way, which is robust and strong, and, and you know, studies show that it is equal to or better than the, the vaccines themselves. So what you're asking people to do who are low risk is to incur potential injury from the vaccine or even death for a virus that is not a threat to their life for a vaccine that has a shelf life of, you know, maybe six months. Right. And so are, are you just going to have to incur that potential risk, potentially put yourself at risk every six months for a vaccine you don't need for a virus that is not a threat to your life? It is just nonsensical. It's nonsensical. And the other thing having to do with polio and all the other vaccines people like to point out to us is we have decades of experience with them. Here we have less than a year. We have less than a year. Yeah, and, the, and we are now telling, you, telling parents they have to put it in their five-year-olds. 
um, five-year-olds that will not be affected by COVID. Well, yeah, five-year-olds who aren't at risk. Right. So it, it's all just – and then, mind you, too, while you have some other countries who are putting pauses on some of the vaccines for certain age groups yep. because they're seeing heightened cases of myocarditis and, you know, potential injury, right? And so that's the thing that never gets discussed in any of this is that there is a risk. And so if the risk from COVID doesn't outweigh that risk from the vaccine, then why are you getting the vaccine, right? Like, it's like, we should just be able to apply common sense logic, have transparency and honest conversations about all this. But unfortunately, that's not happening in the public sphere, which is why I felt compelled to write this article. Also, why I felt compelled to go on TV and explain why I'm not vaccinated. Because there are a lot of people who have thought through this, who've come to the same determination as me, but they're not getting the opportunity to tell their story, and even worse, they're potentially getting fired from their job because they don't want to get the vaccine. Or certainly shamed in public. Yeah, anti-American. Yeah, no, I think, or shamed in public, and I think you're right to do it. This has been my view all along with what what people do in in your business, writing and, and television appearances, what we do. It's important that people who do their research and yet hear a different cultural message from everywhere know that they're not alone and know that they're not crazy. It's important that they know that they are not crazy and that they are not alone and that cnn is wrong it is wrong more than it's right hell i'll go one step further lisa i i will say i think anthony fauci has been more wrong than he has been right since the beginning of covid i have a list of about 20 things he has said about covid that didn't hold for more than a month that did not hold true for more than a month well because it's not about public health right none right. of this has been about public health it's about control and it's about reshaping the, the country and using the uh, using the psychosis that has taken over, the fear that has taken over, to leverage that to reshape the country. And we've seen a massive distribution of wealth where you've looked at they've killed small businesses uh, while they have grown, you know, the scale of large companies, right, that are more beholden to the government, that are, are more in bed with people like Joe Biden. Uh, we've seen an increase of people who are dependent on the federal government, right? So like, think about how much the country has changed We've had people give up their liberties for for the false sense of security that the government is trying to provide when they can't protect us from a virus because it's a virus and it's going to keep infecting people because that's what viruses do. And so they have used this fear, an intentional fear, to try to reshape the the country and to try to gain more power. And so I, I really think we're on the cusp of the country being entirely changed, right, in an, an unimaginable way, an unimaginable way that we're never going to get back in the amount of freedoms we've given up for the false sense of security. The, the, the worry I have is that we're going to get used to this. The worry I have is that we're going to accept this. And the worry I have is that this is going to become some form of a new normal. But, but it's possible that this Fifth Circuit case will control this case that came out of Louisiana will control because I honest to gosh don't see how the Supreme Court can find a constitutional justification for this mandate. I really don't. I mean, I, I certainly hope not, but I will say that, you know, societal scorn is a real thing. Yep. I think there are a lot of people who have allowed, you know, the public pressure, the group think, the, the notion of wanting to fit in, the, the wanting to be able to go to restaurants in New York City or to travel to certain parts of the, the world. They've allowed that to overtake common sense and to override what is right. And I, I think that's also another big area of concern for our country right now is just this group think that has taken over, the psychosis that has taken over the country and the inability of 
people that you know I used to really respect and think were really smart uh, who have not been able to see through that yep. uh, and have carried and helped push you know some of these lies and some of the group think and, and that's a challenge and and then you know and then you layer on top of that big tech coming in and you know YouTube and all these different things trying to censor people who have a countering point of view uh, and, and that creates a, a real problem in the country because you, you wonder why information isn't getting out to the public so I'm thankful for Newsweek yep for having the guts to, to run yep. this column. That, that's right. And it does take guts in these days, funny enough, to run columns like this. Lisa, I know you have other media hits today because of this, so I'll let you go. But I'm asking, I want to ask you if I could, I could make this a down payment and have you come back and talk about, at some point uh, in the near future next week, perhaps, about that sociology and that psychosis. I'd love to talk to you about what's happened to America with regard to what COVID exposed. If we could do that, I would I would really delight in that. You, your voice is super yeah, important on this. You bet. I appreciate that. I, re- I really do. I, I, just, I feel like this is the fight of our time. It so is. I, it absolutely is. It's about yeah. much more than COVID. Lisa Booth, the host of The Truth with Lisa Booth, a podcast you don't want to miss. Obviously, you uh, you all know her from uh, from Fox News Channel and, and her column at, um, at Newsweek, Why I'm Not Vaccinated. It's a very important and instructive piece, complete with all the hyperlinks you need to substantiate every point she makes. Lisa Booth, Godspeed to you. Stay well, stay strong, Thank and you. I am going to reach out again in the near future. Awesome. I, I appreciate you having me on your show. You Take betcha, care. Lisa. Thank you. You too. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Um, I was mentioning uh, previously with Lisa Booth the uh, Fifth Circuit decision on the constitutionality of the mandate, and uh, I, I would urge all of you to read it. Um, it's it's a good summary of a lot of things that have been said on this show by the Hallmans, by myself, by guests, certainly by Brett Johnson, who's our uh, weekly constitutional uh, uh, analyst. Um, it, it's 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 a tremendously important decision, and I think it's fairly airtight. Not fairly airtight. That's stupid. That's like saying extremely full. It's airtight. And it's it's so airtight that it finds the judges having a little bit, just a little bit of fun with um, the administration, including including a footnote that I just adore in the opinion. It's a footnote of a tweet from an MSNBC host saying that the mandate for private employers, the vaccine mandate for private employers, is an end run around the law. Well, so anyone at MSNBC can say whatever they want. But Joe Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, retweeted it. Retweeted that this is an end run around the law. That made its way into this decision. But I think my favorite part of the decision from the Fifth Circuit is something Law school students will understand, but it's failure to maintain a constitutional order based on under-inclusiveness and over-inclusiveness, sometimes called overbroad and underbroad. The three-judge panel of the Fifth Circuit writes, quote, the mandate is staggeringly overbroad. Applying to two out of three private sector employees in America in workplaces as diverse as the country itself, the mandate fails to consider what is perhaps the most important fact of all, 
The ongoing threat of COVID-19 is more dangerous to some employees than to other employees. All else equal, a 28-year-old trucker spending the bulk of his workday in the solitude of his cab is simply less vulnerable to COVID-19 than a 62-year-old prison janitor. Likewise, a naturally immune, unvaccinated worker is presumably at less risk than an unvaccinated worker who has never had the virus. The list goes on, they continue, but one constant remains. The mandate fails almost completely to address or even respond to much of this reality and common sense. But they're not done yet, because that's the overbroad problem. Then they get to the problem of it being under-inclusive. And they write, the most vulnerable worker in America draws no protection from the mandate if his company employs 99 workers or fewer. Good point. The reason why? Because as even OSHA admits, companies of 100 or more employers will be better able to administer the mandate. That may be true, the court writes, but this kind of thinking belies the premise that any of this is truly an emergency. Let's talk about that emergency for a moment, because this is this is done. The OSHA mandate of private employers and thus employees is done under what's known as an ETS. An emergency order is what that is. Well, they go on to tell us at the Fifth Circuit, heck of an emergency, the emergency temporary standard, the ETS, When Joe Biden announced it, when the president announced it in in September, he announced he was doing this in September. It then took two months, two months, November 5th, for the mandate to actually be released. And then it had another two months on top of that to be implemented. That's really six months. Interesting thing, that emergency order that can wait six months to be deployed. In any event, it's a fantastically worded opinion. It proves to me constitutionalism is not dead. And to the degree that it isn't, long live the Fifth Circuit and may this opinion be speedily affirmed by the United States Supreme Court so that both freedom and just as important common sense can be sustained by the rest of this society. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. By the way, we have this wonderful event coming up tomorrow night with Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, and Charlie Kirk. I'll be there. If you're the next caller, I'll give you two free general admission tickets. We have a couple left over. I'll give you two if you're the next caller at 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, op-ed today in the Arizona Republic by two uh, parents, Amy and Sean Souza, who um, who are parents in uh, of two school children in, in Peoria, Peoria, Arizona. Uh, I I have been um, among among the many things, among the many lies we are told and that we seem to have to live with um, because it's 
you know, the world we live in, we live in lies. Kyle Rittenhouse is a domestic terrorist. Brett Kavanaugh is a rapist. Donald Trump won because he colluded with the Kremlin. Nick Sandman uh, was an entitled white bigot. Uh, Neo-Nazis at Charlottesville were good people. Last year's riots were peaceful. Um, unarmed black men are routinely uh, shot in huge numbers by police officers. Hunter Biden's laptop was a Russian plot. These are the lies we live with. We know they're lies. They're demonstrable lies. They're not true. And we live with them because they suffuse our culture. And they suffuse our culture because Salem doesn't own CNN or NBC or ABC and because CNN and NBC and ABC and The Washington Post and The New York Times and almost all newspapers, almost all, almost all of them, uh, don't really care for the truth. They care for their truth. And it's not just their truth individually. It's their truth collectively. And collective is the operative word. It is the operative word. Um, what are the ages of the producers at these shows, these networks? What are the ages of the writers at these shows and networks? What are the ages of the, um, of the journalists at these papers? What are the ages of the editors at these papers? Let me remind you of, I think, one of the most important statistics of our time. For the past 30 years, for the past 30 years, a generation, we have been graduating 8 million students a year from college and high school, about 4 million each, every year, every year for 30 years, 80% of whom are steeped in socialist doctrine. That's what's important to them. When they think about truth and falsehood, when they think about true and false, they don't think about fact and non-fact. They think about correct policy and politics versus false policy and politics. They think, because they have been taught, they think that conservatives and Republicans are indeed white supremacists, the chairman of the DNC, the chairman of the Democratic Party, a week ago, a week ago, said the Republican Party is fueled by fascism. Fueled by fascism. That never would have been able to have been said. Never would have been able to have been said without accountability. And by accountability, I mean shameful resignation. Think about it. Do you remember how hard a time... Keith Ellison was given for trying to become the chair of the DNC. He didn't make it. He only got to be vice chair because of the things he had said and stood for. Well, we've surpassed that. He could do it today. We've already got a DNC chair who is saying those kinds of things. So anyway, these parents in Peoria, having had enough of being told critical race theory isn't being taught in schools, it's only some kind of law school phenomenon. By the way, can I say something about this law school phenomenon of critical race theory? Critical race theory came out of something that started before critical race theory in the law schools. 
it was originally called critical legal theory. This is a different thing. Critical race theory is a spin-off of critical legal theory. It's a spin-off not only to be more palatable, but to be more useful in places other than law schools. Anyway, these parents, it's worth reading their op-ed at AZ Central. Uh, the title of it, Children's Education Shouldn't Be About Political Indoctrination. And boy, is it. Putting Rosa Parks, as they mention, alongside the Black Lives Matter movement? Really? Was Rosa Parks a Marxist? Was she supportive of violence? Did she want to disrupt the family? Or rather, did she come out of the tradition Martin Luther King was promoting, which was nonviolence, as taught by the likes of Thoreau, Gandhi, and others? It's not just crud they're teaching. It's false stuff they're teaching. I wish I didn't have to use the word stuff. More, uh, one more point from this op-ed um, that these parents wrote. They did, they did the Rosa Parks critical race theory thing. Another thing that you may not is go- know is going on that they write about um, going on in our schools. Uh, when it came to uh, teaching um, a sixth grader about the Industrial Revolution, their child, about the Industrial Revolution, um, it was taught – What was taught were the the deplorable conditions um, that children faced because of the revolution. And the teacher instructed the students to, quote, select an excerpt that described the deplorable conditions at the time. Examples included slitting and bleeding out animals in slaughterhouses. Kind of sounds like Anthony Fauci's research. And ears literally falling off because of freezing conditions. The students then had to construct and draw a book cover of one of those conditions. There are many ways to teach about the Industrial Revolution. I wonder if it ever occurs to anyone to teach it as increasing dramatically the average lifespan of the human being. And the creation and new forms of medicines that have never, never would have been produced, the suffering and dying from easily treatable wounds and diseases. I, I wonder if they're ever taught about that or if, if they're taught about the world's population having increased at a greater rate than at any other period in history with a fourfold increase in income. Because of the industrial. Are they ever taught any of that? No, of course they are not. Of course they are not. They're taught about the most graphic things that happen as a result of trying to improve the human condition, which the Industrial Revolution did. Here would be a really good exercise. The Khan Academy gets to it, of course, in a lesson plan. Try to imagine what your life would be like without any machines working for you. Make a list of the machines in your household and on your person, and you may arrive at a surprising number. And then tell me if ears freezing off of children tells that story. Patrick is in Glendale. Thank you for your patience, Patrick. I much appreciate it, sir. Hey, Seth. uh, Just like you, man, when I see about the dogs, 
uh, it just, uh, but I get the same way about babies with abortion. So I, I just lose my mind. It's but, an interesting um, point, those dogs, because uh, I'll, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you something I've, I've, I've learned in political research, political campaign ad research. If you can make something about a pet, people will respond far more seriously because emotionally than even if it's about a human being, truly and yeah. truly. I, I mean, it, it, think about your two concerns. You know people who have no problem with the one but have a problem with the other. Yep. And hey, the reason why I called real quick, though, yeah. um, because you gotta, you're going to have to go. Um, I don't I, have, I have I, I'm good. You're good. <laughs> We're good. Well, I, have, <laughs> yeah. I have a word for you instead of stuff yeah. that you can say. Um, it's scubala. Scubala. Have you ever taken Greek? Uh, biblical Greek? No, but I it was the only it was the only language I never took. Um so whenever someone asked me if I knew how to say something in a certain language, I would just say it's Greek to me. Okay. So that was the meant word to be you... funny. It didn't work. Okay, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Okay. I, I got you. Okay. It's all Greek to me. Yeah. That's yeah. a laugh, Mrs. Um, Robinson. That's really a laugh. Yeah, go ahead. The word that you want is scubala because it, it is the same how do you in, how do you spell it? Um, I believe it's uh, well. In, I don't know the Greek. Yeah, 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 yeah. I won't ask you to do that, right? I I see the word. I see what you're doing there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. When when Paul says all things are yes. uh, compared to Christ, right, are right. Some some say rubbish. Others say you know scubula. Uh, yeah. Scubala, yeah, scubala is is the Greek term, and it and it is just as uh, visceral. Yeah, and, I'm going to use it. I'm going to take it. I'm writing it down. Now, the only question is, we may have to get an advisory opinion from the FCC to see if saying a word that's banned in another language is allowed. Really? I don't. No, I'm spell. kidding. They no, I'm kidding. Spell. I'm teasing. I'm having fun with you, Patrick. But I I will adopt that word, scubala. I like it. There you go. Thank you, sir. Hey, have a great hey, day. hey, 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 what are you doing tomorrow yeah, night? Um, I, oh, Operation Christmas Child, we're, um, we are uh, area coordinators for uh, Operation Christmas Child on the west side. Oh, well, God bless you for doing that. God bless you I for just doing came that. home. My wife is still doing it because i got to get up and go to work in the morning at 1 o'clock. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm coming home, but she's still there until 7. Are you at work every day at 1? Uh, well, I get up at 1. I'm there by 3. I used to have that kind of job. Yeah, I'm about to retire. How though. many years have you done that? Uh, twenty. Wow, wow, that takes Plus a toll. My military time. Yeah. So I got thirty years with the government, and I'm done. Well, See thank you. And finished. Thank you for your service. I hope it'll give you more time to call in. It will. I thank pre- you, sir. Appreciate your uh, your advice, your suggestion, and uh, your service to our country. I really do very much. Scubala. You think I can get away with that, Bill? I can speak ancient Greek. Over the air? Okay, scubala. Uh, the Phoenix situation, the Scotts, the Arizona situation, um, I'm going to have Sharice uh, Saper on um, Wednesday. She is uh, our candidate running for the super, my candidate running for superintendent of public instruction. Uh, she, uh, she put out a strong release on what's taking place. Um, if you don't know about it, I wouldn't be surprised. There's an interest um, from people in not letting it be known. 
but uh, the, it, what's now becoming known as the Greenberg dossier at the Scottsdale Unified School District. Bill, you're nodding. You know something about this too. Uh, uh, she she put out a strong statement. She's going to join us. We are we are not ignoring this story at all. We are not ignoring this story at all, and um, and and we're going to side with uh, these parents and work to. Uh, this is an unbelievable breach of breach of breach of duty. This is an unbelievable breach of duty that the Scottsdale um, Scottsdale Unified School District has has been involved in. Uh, Surveilling and 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 um, and uh, disseminating information about parents they disagree with. All right, we do have two more tickets to give away. If you're the next caller, they are our last two for our event tomorrow night. America for which it stands with Larry Elder, Dennis Prager, and Charlie Kirk. I'll be there. Next caller gets those two last tickets. We'll be right back. Welcome back uh, to the Seth Liebson Show. Shout out to my friend Shauna, who's tuned in and does a lot of great work on education as well. If I, I did something um, probably unfair to you by recommending that you read a legal opinion <laughs> from the Fifth Circuit. If you don't have time to read it, though it is not a waste of your time, you can just go to the last page. It's a one-page concurrence by Judge Stuart Kyle Duncan summarizing really what's at the heart of all of this, which is really constitutionalism and Congress either delegating or having its powers arrogated. The judge says about the mandate, courts, quote, expect Congress to speak clearly when authorizing an agency to exercise powers of vast economic and political significance. OSHA's rule reaches two-thirds of all private sector workers in the nation. It compels covered employers to, one, make employees get vaccinated or get weekly tests at their expense and wear masks, two, remove non-complying employees, and three, pay per-violation fines, while four, keeping records of employee vaccination or testing status. OSHA, the judge continues, invokes no statute expressly authorizing this rule. Instead, OSHA issued it under an emergency provision addressing workplace substances, agents, or hazards, none of which COVID is. And it has only done so 10 times in the last 50 years and never once to mandate a vaccine. His conclusion is precious. Whether Congress could enact such a sweeping mandate under its interstate commerce power would pose a hard question. Whether OSHA can do so does not. Bless you, judges. Thank you, judges. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson. Class dismissed. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.